Hey, I'm Paul Sponsia. I'm the CEO of the IT company. All of our videos are really designed for one thing, to help business leaders understand how to align IT with their business strategy so that they can go further faster. Further faster means make more money and have more fun. That's ultimately what we want you to do. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Paul Sponsia with the IT company back with Hank Brown. And today we want to talk a little bit about this concept of normalcy bias, which is uh, the term itself actually is new to me. Um, but, but once you explained it, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> but but um, so let's talk a little bit about that, which I'm going to try to paraphrase and then you correct and, and straighten mm -hmm. it out for me. So I think what it is, is um, and I'll use business as an example. You know, we talk with a lot of people and, and, and sometimes this is financial. They just can't put their head around it financially but because they haven't had something happen mm -hmm. they haven't experienced something uh, it's like it's not real to them you know and mm -hmm. I've never had a disaster or I've never had a security breach probably a big one right now I've never had that happen mm -hmm. um, I think in the in healthcare a lot with uh, with the compliance around HIPAA and I've never had uh, data taken out mm -hmm. and, and I had to so why do I need to put all this stuff in place so is that yeah, yeah, that's it. So, and, and maybe that's what enables me to uh, recognize the risk more uh, because um, I have lived through a hurricane. I've lived through snowstorms. I've uh, been on site and done hurricane remediation. I've been in an earthquake. Um, and my data has been stolen because I was part of the uh, Office of Personnel Management <laughs> breach. So uh, Chinese have all, all the personnel files, you know, when I got, in, uh, when I got interviewed for my God, clearance. I didn't even so, think about that. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, Wow. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, I guess maybe my awareness is more personal. Yeah. Uh, and so the risk is, is when people, and it's all of our nature, I think it's just, you know, genetically, we make decisions based off of conditions we've observed mm. uh, more than something that we might've read about. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so if we make those decisions like that, unfortunately, uh, we have trouble preparing for uh, risk, even if the risk is unlikely, uh, if it uh, has a significant detrimental outcome, it's something we should consider. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of an aside, but, you know, the reason people rubberneck at car accidents is because it's their nature to try to study the situation to learn from it. That's what we do as, like, the human animal. Yeah, is, uh, like, what happened there? Well, okay, you know, that's just... And so we also are more inclined to buy car insurance because most of us have seen a car accident. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're less inclined to buy earthquake insurance uh, because... It's less of a risk, and less of us have seen yeah. that. And you can't buy flood insurance unless you, you have uh, houses around you. I can't remember the term, but because I, I, my house flooded, and they're like, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. insurance doesn't cover that, and you can't even buy it. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, and so there's a number of things that uh, insurers will not insure against because uh, the risk is uh, uninsurable. Mm -hmm. um, and so in, in some places, like... And on the coast, the government will step in and provide the insurance, but it's almost an inevitability right. uh, that you're going to have uh, coastal flooding. Uh, so in the situations we're talking about, um, uh, there are minimal uh, insurance uh, opportunities for them. And so we've, we've talked about in this previous video, but we need to self-insure. So uh, on, the, on the topic of normalcy bias, um, there's kind of a, a couple of layers to that, to that risk. So one... Uh, people who might even be rational thinkers, uh, they observe conditions around them and they decide that they don't need to prepare for some disruption to the infrastructure because they don't think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and you can season that with some level of denial because it could seem to be so daunting that uh, you don't want to prepare for it either. So, you know, I don't prepare for a nuclear strike that occurs close to my home because there's, you know, there's no, I can't build a bunker right. 500 feet <laughs> underground. Yeah. So I've kind of set that one aside. And some, some people, I think, set other risks that you can mitigate yourself aside because they think there's nothing they can do rather than taking small steps to mitigate the most likely. But then the second layer of that is um, once some type of disruption occurs, and I would say that it's certainly not one that I anticipated, but in COVID-19, and I'd even already written a book at that point, said, you know, to expect the unexpected. Mm. And then these unexpected things keep happening. And I'm yeah. like, well, wait a minute, I even wrote about this and I'm not expecting it. Um, but uh, however you personally gauge the situation, uh, the level of degradation or the level of disruption, um, our nature is to say, well, this is normal, and then we're going to go back to what used to be. Mm -hmm. And we might, and we might hope that that happens, but there's certainly no guarantee that that's going to occur. And what we really should be doing is, if we are um, observing a degradation to our infrastructure, and that could be to our society, to civil order, to electricity, any of those things upon which we rely, um, then we should be taking actions, modest actions, but actions to mitigate um, a worsening of that situation. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I get into talking about staying ahead of the curve, which right. is a, a term everybody's familiar with, but what does it really mean? Well, if you're ahead of the curve in, in, uh, in the topic, if you will, of being prepared, then then you might be the uh, object of some uh, derision from other people, right? They may think you're some type of extremist or, and, and so, so a couple of things about that. For one, why do people care? Um, you know, if you have extra green beans or, yeah. uh, or, uh, <laughs> or you know, water. ham in your freezer or something like that, yeah. why do people care? Right. Um, and, uh, and then two is, is what is the effect on others? Mm -hmm. So um, using COVID-19 is a good example People who were prepared, I'm not saying people who were preppers, but people who had a buffer at home, when we became aware that there were some strains on the supply system, those were not the people who rushed to the store to buy things because they had them at home. Right. And so it was actually an act, in my opinion, of responsibility because we had incurred the expense of creating a buffer to which others benefited because we left stuff for them. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't stop shopping because I... I decided how much buffer I wanted to have, and I said, okay, now our challenge is to try to maintain, maintain this buffer. buffer yeah. But we didn't go by excess trying to create a buffer when yeah. it was too late. Yeah. Uh, and so, but even it, on the, at the beginning of COVID-19, when some people were trying to stock up, if you'll say, you mm. know, others use negative words like hoarding, yeah. even when the government was telling people, <laughs> you know, to go, to go buy things. Right, yeah. um, you know, they use terms like hoarding, and I think that, I think it's people's nature to um, be critical of that. And, and certainly there could be elements that are worthy of, of criticism. Absolutely. Um, but if they're just critical of it in general, I think it's actually, um, it, it's just a, it's them compensating for their own, either their denial or their unwillingness to accept mm -hmm. the conditions as they're observing it. And so it's like a defense mechanism yeah. is, is what I think. So the, the best thing in my mind is, again, to pre-purchase things that you would have bought or used anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're not buying stuff that's going to be wasted. Uh, and so, you know, it's things that are shelf stable or ha actually have no shelf life. I mean, 
I think toilet paper probably has a very long shelf life <laughs> as long as it's dry. Um, you know, you do have a storage consideration, uh, but you know, you can figure those things out. Yeah, sure. uh, and, and so then um, you have established a buffer for yourself as we talked about previously to create mm -hmm. decisions. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of fair to your fellow man because you're not going to place extra, extra demands on the system if there is some type mm -hmm. of disruption. Um, and I really think the peace of mind for you and your household uh, is beneficial as well. There's, there's kind of a, you know, a lot of anxiety in our society. And I think that if uh, people feel like they have um, maybe a little ability to be independent, they mm -hmm. might feel less anxious because they're less dependent on others. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I, you know, as I listen to you talk and we've talked and I think about, you know, normalcy bias, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, it, you know, another way to word it, word it is we just become complacent. You know, we, we're, uh, we're happy with what we have. You know, nothing bad has happened to us, so we just assume that everything is okay. And and and, and there are people that are just generally wired the opposite way, that are just nervous, and, mm -hmm, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there's people like that. But I think a lot of us aren't. You know, but I think of it from a, in my encouragement from a business perspective in a family perspective uh, is, again, to go back and just have the conversations, mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of businesses, um, you know, we, we call this our whole podcast Aligning IT. And the whole idea of Aligning IT is simply aligning what you're doing with technology to what you're trying to do from a business perspective. It's mm -hmm. not this novel concept. It's just saying my objective as a company is, you know, these three things in 2021, technology is a critical piece of the business. How do I make sure that technology is supporting my goals? You know, and so part of that is just making sure technology is not hurting your goals, which goes down to like normalcy bias. The opposite of it would be planning, discussing, preparing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, what could go wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, what technology problems could we have in 2021 that would, that would prevent us from reaching our plan? You know, if our plan as a family is uh, we want to save, I don't know, $20,000 this year, uh, but we also want to go on a trip and we want to do this thing. Um, Buy camper. By, by, yeah. So what are the risks? <laughs> right. There's the tension with the other right? Yeah. So. What are the risks that we have of not meeting it? And uh, and what are the risks of uh, bad things happening? And therefore, how do we maybe create some buffers around that? And, I, and I, the one that I didn't even think about that we talked about on the last video that we just talked about on was like, banding together with your family. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. Like just saying, hey, um, my family that's in Florida, my family that's in Tennessee, my family that's in Colorado, let's all kind of talk, you know, in, in the event of something bad, how would we support one another? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's a big deal in and of itself that could be really, really advantageous. Um, I'm just going to bring my camper here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's my... that 30 uh, amp right over that's there. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's my, that's my encouragement as I think about it. And I think what I'm learning a lot from Hank is um, just have the conversations. That's right. Know, so and, so and I'd, like to, I'd like to pull on that real quick uh, so I don't lose the thought. So, um, you know, in business, you might have a disaster recovery plan. In your family, you might have some considerations for how to deal with uh, disasters. Mm -hmm. And so I might use an example in our home. Uh, you know, and sadly, a lot of times when people die in a house fire, it's because someone's gone back into the home mm -hmm. to try to look for somebody else or even a pet or yeah. something like that. And so it, it's very important that everybody knows where to go. If the house is on fire and everybody goes out different doors, everybody should go to the same spot. And so every once in a while, we'll just have that conversation. Hey, where are we going to meet? Mm -hmm. And sometimes That's my kids good. have been, they've named like, 
that said the mailbox because in our <laughs> old house it was the mailbox right like not here we have a long driveway here 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 we meet at the barn yeah. um and so uh and so that's so we did a, just a, a very brief discussion you know while sitting around the table um in business once you have some type of disaster plan or recovery plan or risk mitigation plan then you can have a tabletop exercise talk about it. um and talk about it yeah. you don't have to like turn the computers off you don't have to the the there is a there's a diminishing return on investment in an exercise mm -hmm. and there's always going to be a, a naysayer who says well you know you can't prepare for everything you can't mm -hmm. but you can prepare for for likely events yeah and having a good step off plan um, where everybody has a similar thought in mind to begin execution, then you can pivot off of that when bad things happen, be it your family or your business. I heard, um, uh, you know, I, I have this, I've always had this fascination with special operators, you know, talk about that. And, and I've, I've uh, just in some of the stuff I've read, I realized, and I'm sure, you know, in, as a Marine in the job you did, like the, you prepare more than you ever fight. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, and you prepare for every scenario so that when a scenario comes about, hopefully you prepared for it, you know, and, and obviously there's, I'm, I've never been in it, you have, but I'm sure there's things that you just didn't prepare for. But preparing for anything helps you be more ready for even the unexpected. That's right. And, and so I think there is a lot, that's why I like to talk to uh, men and women from the military because you guys have spent your whole lives preparing, you know, for things and, uh, uh, and there's a lot to be gleaned from that, from a business and a personal perspective, just to, I was just thinking about what you said about fire. Like I remember as a kid, like that was a really, it was something that was talked about in school and they, you know, and I don't know that they do that anymore. You know, I don't know that that's mm -hmm. really something that happens anymore. And, uh, and that's just a simple one. It is simple. Like that's actually, I actually forgot about it. Like I need, now I have a two year old and a and a six month old, so he doesn't know what we're talking about. But that's right. <laughs> but as a family, we need to talk about that. Like, hey, in a fire, you know, where would we go? That's Make right. sure we're all on the same page so that we can, okay, everybody's here. And so there's, I mean, that's, that's not a, the, that occurrence is not that unlikely. No. Um, and it's very small things you can do. And so the parallel is on even less likely events, there are small things you can do that are still going to mitigate a a large part of the risk. Mm -hmm. um, I would add to the fire thing is, you know, have fire extinguishers and know where yeah, they are. Exactly. Um, just last year, and I wrote about this in, a, in I think the first book, um, you know, I, I came in, I walked into the yard and there was smoke coming out of the barn. And I walked in the barn, we had a refrigerator in there with drinks in it and it was on fire. And uh, fortunately I had a fire extinguisher um, and I uh, was able to shove the fire, the barn, the refrigerator away from the barn wall which was also catching on fire it's a hundred and something year old barn old wow. wood so ten and, uh, tender. yeah yeah and uh put it out with that fire extinguisher wow. um, so one i was just fortunate that happened to be there yeah. but two that i knew where the fire extinguisher was and i knew how to use it yeah um and if 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 i hadn't been able to do that then the barn would have been a, a loss yeah. um and uh, and that can be in your home also yeah. or your car even yeah. for that matter no that's really important. so it doesn't have to be um I think when you, when people hear even preparation, they they go straight to uh, whole house generators and yeah. bunkers and two years worth of food and mm -hmm. uh, and people who choose to do that in their life. There's things to be learned from them and uh, and about five percent of Americans are like would probably consider themselves mm -hmm. to be preppers. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't fault them uh, in any way. And I study some of the stuff that they do, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that they're preparing for things that are less likely to happen. So 
um, I'm going to put less resources toward yeah. it. But that doesn't mean no resources. This doesn't have to be a binomial decision. Right. Well, again, using uh, like a risk probability matrix, you know, is there's risk that things will happen that may be high. The risk may be high. The probability could be really low. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think again to the point that we talked about. I mean, it's a real risk that we could have a, enough of a storm or something to happen that we could be without power for several days. How likely it is? I don't know if it's more likely as we move out to like where you live versus you know where I live in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't understand the power grid enough to know that. But um, but preparing for those things I think is just is not that difficult you know I've I've never I think I shared with these you a long time ago I never realized I just generally when I used to shop would just sort of overbuy stuff mm -hmm. and it wasn't anything I did it actually it's moderately out of laziness like I just didn't mm -hmm. want to have to go buy more toilet paper mm -hmm. <laughs> like and yeah. so so when I would go even if we had like toilet paper I just buy it again you mm -hmm. know and and before I knew it I just would have kind of a lot you know sitting around and uh, I did that with a lot of like dry goods and you know things like that not crazy but I would just like ah, yeah we should just get another mm -hmm. one you know mm -hmm. and so I think if we just practice that yep. you know you'd probably just build up a small buffer that would let you last a week or two that you didn't even know you did it you can I would I would put just a slight amount of uh, on the enough to call it science behind it but uh, and it, I have a worksheet in the book and I think I have it hung on the website in Excel where you can download it but you can do it on a piece of paper too. Just take your take your average weekly grocery grocery list, and uh, and just divide it. If, if, if you could take a year, and uh, if you took a year, you could divide it by twenty five. And so every time you're at the grocery store, buy one twenty fifth more yeah. of something. And at the end of a year of doing that, you're going to have a two week buffer. Yeah. But it's going to be everything. Yeah. It's going to be comprehensive. Right. That's smart. And, and there, so we call those pre purchases. There may be. Um, a few things that you want to buy or need to buy that you wouldn't normally buy and I'd call those an add-on mm -hmm. So if you have like a big water storage container, that's not something you would normally buy. Yeah, but those those expenses are normally not that prohibitive yeah. either. That's smart. Cool. Well again, thanks. This is really mm -hmm. I think you know learning a little bit about normalcy bias um, And I think just everything as I think about it is about awareness and like so I'm hoping with these videos that we're just helping people be more aware and as we keep talking about, just start having discussions, start having conversations. As a business owner, as a business leader, make it part of your cadence, as part of your leadership team, you know, or ownership team or whatever, to say, what if, what if, what if this happened, what if this happened, what will we do? And, uh, and make some simple decisions to buffer yourself as a family. Golly, I just think, after you listen to this, God, go talk to your family about fire. Because mm -hmm. that actually probably is, you know, of all the things that would happen, you know, that's probably higher than even a break-in. You know, absolutely. Fire, absolutely. You know? So yep. I, I think that uh, I shocked a number of people that I know that have had a house fire, and so I think that'd be my message mm -hmm. to everybody: is uh, is start the conversations, um, don't get complacent into normalcy bias, and uh, and also don't go crazy. But uh, learn a, learn a little bit of a lesson and and be a little bit more prepared than the next person. I mean, it, I think it's. Uh, I wish I could remember the exact statement, but uh, you have to survive. Uh, a disaster to be able to actually talk about it <laughs> <laughs> and so the first step would be being prepared to survive it right you know, so i appreciate it yeah thank you